able to use it wisely. Yeah. Woo! We got a good word from the Lord this morning. We're starting a new series called Created for Significance. Somebody say Created for Significance. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited about what God wants to share with us this morning. And we're going to be talking about this. We'll be on this series for five weeks. And so over the course of the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at three really life-changing uh, chapters out of the book of Luke. So if you want to get a head start, we're going to be in the book of Luke today. And today we're going to be in chapter 14. And so I'm going to be talking to you uh, for a couple of weeks out of the book of Luke. So if anyone is wanting to do some homework and just really begin to get into the word and let the Lord minister to you, I believe you're going to be absolutely amazed at what we can discover about the purpose for not only Excel Church, but the purpose that God has for us as a result of what he is speaking and showing us in this book. So if you're there at Luke chapter 14, say amen. amen. Good, good. All right, I'm going to start off with just uh, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to pause and I'm going to talk to you a little bit. So I know you're going to feel like I stopped you early, but we'll finish. We'll get through it. So just stop with me when I stop if you can, all right? So I'm reading this morning out of the New Living Translation. And we're just going to read out of Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And they read, One Sabbath, when he went in to eat, at the house of one of the leading Pharisees, they were watching him closely. There in front of him was a man whose body was swollen with fluid. In response, Jesus asked the law experts and the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. He took the man, healed him, and sent him away. And to them, he said, which of you whose son or ox falls into a well would not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? They could find no answer to these things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that as we are looking in your word today, that it would not merely be us reviewing what you have recorded, but seeing what you are saying to us even on today. Father God, let the words that you have written continue to speak and to be alive in my life. And Father, let me get direction and wisdom as to how I should go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus looks at these fellows and he looks down at this guy in me and says, oh, okay, I get it. Y'all brought me here to test me. Yes, sir. Oh, it's a setup. Have y'all ever been in a situation where you're like, oh, I see what's going on here. Can we all just kind of move in a little bit? Just move in just a little bit, and then we'll have more room. That's good. Thank you so much, Sister Tracy. I appreciate you. Just just a little bit for the people members. This one, ushers, can you guys help me and just get people to close in all the empty seats? 
So um, everyone will be able to fit in and get the word on this morning. Y'all got comfortable. Y'all thought this was it. Y'all spread out. Don't get comfortable. Got it done. Got it done. And so Jesus is looking and assessing the situation. And if you have followed and read through the word of God, you can kind of get a sense when Jesus is perturbed. He's a little perturbed here. And he looks at them and he says, okay, I get it. You all believe it's wrong to do any kind of work on the Sabbath, right? And so he's a little perturbed here because these guys obviously don't care one bit about this man that they brought on display. They're not at all interested or concerned that he's suffering. They're not worried that he has dropsy. Their primary focus here is not, wow, this guy is probably going to die. His family will be without a father. If he has children, his children will be without a father. If he has a wife, his wife will be without a husband. That's not the concern here. The concern here is that it's the Sabbath day and we don't work on the Sabbath day. So, what you gonna do, Jesus? Are you gonna break the law? Are you going to break the rules? And so that's the context of the scripture that I shared with you just now. Now, Let's look at this a little bit further. Jesus says to them, listen, I know what you all are thinking. You all believe it's a sin to do good on the Sabbath. But you do good on the Sabbath if it suits your purposes. If your son falls into a well on the Sabbath, you don't say, oh, sorry, son, we hope you can trade water down there until tomorrow when it's not the Sabbath and we'll come back and get you. You don't have a second thought about what needs to be done if it benefits you. We're not even going to stop at a son. I love how Jesus breaks it down. He said, if it was your ox, if this was the way you make money, if this was something that had value to you, wouldn't be a second thought about what you're going to do about it. You, on the Sabbath, would pull that oxen out. Even if that would be considered work. And you know God doesn't like it when we do work on the Sabbath. So he's helping them to see the hypocrisy of bringing someone to him. And Jesus must be thinking, now y'all know how, what I'm going to do. I'm not going to allow someone to be in my presence and suffer. I am not going to, you may find a way not to follow 
what you know is right, and you can find whatever law you want to find to back that up. We talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't we? But instead of me worrying about that, I am going to worry about what God is worried about. Here's what I want you to get. Even in the law, and I remember one of the most difficult things is, like if you look at the law and you look at statutes, the law is written with an intention. And so a lot of times when you see disputes about the law, people are going back to what was the intention? What was the framer's intention? What was the author's intention? What was the legislator's intention? Jesus is schooling them here saying, let's not be cute with the law. What was my father's intention when he came up with that law? And let's not go out of our way to not do good and then find a law to support it when the intention of our father is to do good for one another. And so he winds up concluding this discussion by saying, God is far more interested in loving people than keeping rules. God is far more interested. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, get them, Jesus. Get them together. And you know how that works whenever you start telling God to get somebody else together, right? <laughs> Dang. This apply to me too, don't it? Right? Right? Everybody's shaking their hands like, oh, no, I'm in trouble too. So I mentally, I want you to mentally imagine the scene. And I think we do a good job of that. I think we do a good job of getting into the scripture and really trying to get into what's happening and what is God doing and what is he saying and how does it apply to us. Let's go one step deeper. Let's get into the scene. And I want you to visualize, if you can. It's like Jesus was invited to a party, but the kind of party that's like a surprise party and like everybody else is already there. And imagine just this huddle of the Pharisees and their robes and they're all just kind of huddled around and then smack in the middle, imagine this guy that's swollen and he doesn't realize he's the subject of all of this and he's trying to figure out, okay, I'm just sitting here, what are we going to do? Now that y'all are humiliating me, now that I'm the center of attention, what are y'all going to do? And instead of everybody being, as we would imagine, huddled here, hands stretched out, come on everybody, let's pray for this man. We believe it, that he's going to be healed. They're all sitting here waiting with the trap that they set. Let's see if we can get Jesus to break the law. Jesus, seeing what has been set before him, he asks us to take a look and to give thought for one second this morning. Where are we in this picture? Maybe we're the person that's in the center that doesn't know what all the fuss is about, but just hoping that this is my day for my breakthrough. Maybe we're the person on the sides going, I know he's not getting ready to work on the set. Notebook handy, 21st century camera rolling. Oh, I'm sitting in the TMZ. Woo! 
the picture. Maybe you're a Pharisee. Maybe you didn't realize you were a Pharisee. But maybe you're much like these religious leaders. Maybe you study your Bible religiously. Maybe you know the scriptures extremely well. Maybe you do an excellent job of following the scriptures and you make it your business to point out everyone who does not. And maybe it bothers you just a tad bit that they're not listening to you now and they're following God directly through Jesus, not me. What, well, what about my position? Amen. What do you mean they're leading prayer? They just joined church last week. You know I built this church, right? Like with my beer knuckles. Wait, we got to inspect. How long have you been saved? Were you baptized in cool water? Or was it lukewarm water? That's the test. Oh, y'all want to laugh. But that's what Pharisees do. We put other people down to feel better about ourselves. And somehow in that process, we lose focus of what does God want? What does God want? I think about the Pharisees and I want us to kind of put it in context and think of how things are even in our day and age. In our day and age, maybe it's not the Pharisees, but how many of you have a job? Okay. A little bit of a pecking order at your job too, isn't it? <laughs> you got your supervisors. You got the people who, you know, it was funny when I used to work at my job, uh, I used to get frowned upon because as an attorney, like I was one to be caught going to lunch with my secretary. <laughs> you don't do that. You go to lunch with your secretary. I'm like, what? I like her. We have a good time. I would be caught in the hallway talking to the custodian. Come on now. <laughs> right, right. I'm not supposed to be in the hallway talking to the custodian. Do y'all know about that pecking order? Yeah. Now, see, in the church is a little bit more disguised. Yeah. <laughs> but even at the pastor's conference, there's a pecking order. Oh, you're a pastor. So, how big is your church about? <laughs> Oh, how long ago did you guys start? Oh, four months ago. Plus your soul. <laughs> There's a pecking order. And whatever circle you're in. And we are created for significant significance, but if we're not careful, instead of worrying about why God placed us in that pecking order, 
We're worried about what position we're in. We're not only worried about the position we're in, but we're worried about keeping that position. Even at the expense of doing what it is that God assigned us to do when he placed us there. Sidebar. You've got to get so committed to the to what God wants to do in your life that even if someone around you is watching you, waiting for you to make a mistake, waiting to record it, waiting to oust you from your position, that if it's going to glorify God, you can have my position, you can have this job, you can have this whatever, because I have to keep my focus on glorifying my Father. And I just believe as Jesus did, that if I do the right thing in this situation, my Father who is in heaven is going to cover me. Amen? Amen. I might lose this job, but guess what? My Father who's in heaven got a better one lined up for me. What I'm not going to do is compromise my purpose trying to make sure that I stay in position. Do I have any witnesses in here this morning? So Jesus is all worked up from this little charade, and he figures, well, I'm on a roll. I might as well keep going. So he goes on, and then he keeps teaching us another lesson in verse 7. Read with me, if you would, verse 7. And I think I'm going to stop it around verse 11. He said, he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they would choose the best places for themselves. Somebody say position. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't recline at the best place because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one who invited both of you may come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place so that when the one who invited you comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. You will then be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. No, the thing God showed me when I was preparing for this is he said he wanted to make sure we, I said this, that we don't always start off that way. We start off with our hearts right. We start off with our hearts pure. We start off wanting to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. But then as we're doing that, the accolades and the congratulations and the prestige get to get good to us. Amen? And so I'm serving now, but I'm serving with an expectation of a certain honor. Right? And so when I'm serving with this expectation of honor, if I'm not careful, I'll be more concerned about the honor than I am about the serving. I'll give you an example. When we were over across the street, there were two spots that were closest to the door. Two parking spots. It made sense. I drive a car, my husband drives a car, 
We get here before everybody else. We get here early. We'll park in these two spots. But then what began to happen? God began to bless the ministry, right? God began to send people who were coming to hear the word, right? People were coming in wheelchairs. People were coming that could not just come in the back and then walk up the steps, right? What is a person to do who needs to have their space of honor? Move to the back so that somebody who needs that space can park there? What you mean? It's not even a discussion. I got two good legs. Bless the Lord. Park our car in the back. And we will walk up the stairs. This ain't even hard. What's the next test? What's the next test? See, we've got to get to the point where it ain't even hard. What does Jesus want? That's what we're doing. What's the test about? The test is about constantly, constantly subduing our flesh. Because our flesh is not our friend. It is not. And so Jesus is thinking to himself and he's telling them, while I'm on the road, let me just help you understand how things should be done in the kingdom. And he says, so when you throw a party, don't just invite, and this is where I want us to, to come and close today. He said, when you throw a party, don't just invite all the lovely people. Don't just invite all the people who have a lot of money and who give big offerings. Did I say that? <laughs> Don't just invite all the people who can do something for you in return. He said, invite everyone. Now, y'all, where's she going with this? He said, if you do that, God will be pleased because that's the kind of party he throws. He's looking for people to bless. He's looking for people who are willing to invest in others. He's looking for people who are willing to invite outsiders to his party. And so as I was reading this this weekend, I said, okay, God, what are you trying to say to Excel Church? And he says, I'm thinking about making sure that you don't get so comfortable in a place or a position that all you care about is all the well-intentioned believers coming together with you. Because I didn't come for them. I want the ones that don't nobody else want. I want the ones that make the real, real nice Christians move over two seats and grab their purse a little bit tighter. <laughs> and when they get there, how are you going to treat them? Are you going to come and tell them, here, have a seat right here in the front? This ain't reserved for no... Whoever God sends, let them come. Because that's the kind of party God wants to throw. And that's why he likes to show up at our parties. He said, if all the visitors who show up at our church are nice and
and safe and well-dressed and cleaned up and already convinced Christians and they are not seekers, why do we even have a party? That might be an indication that we're slipping towards becoming Pharisees. Our purpose in life might be getting a little bit off-center. I wanted to agree on one thing this morning. That no matter where we fellowship, that no matter how big we become, that we will always love God's people. If we can't agree on that, this might not be the right church for you. And I'm okay with that. Do y'all hear that? I am okay with that. But what I'm not okay with is us not fulfilling our purpose. God sent us here for a purpose. And so I want you to take this note. I know I have a few notes on your step, but I want you to do your takeaways for Luke 14. The first thing that I want you to take from Luke 14 is God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. He speaks to me through it, and if I'm willing to listen, he will tell me the truth about myself. I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, we were talking about the situation, and she was like, well, did you talk to him? I was like, no, it's some things that God don't let me say. Because that's between him and you. 